scripture reading tonight will come from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 2, 5. It says, And also if anyone competes in athletes, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Webster defines the word competition as the act of competing. It's something to do with having a rivalry, something that you are going after, a prize, you're wanting an honor or some kind of uh, reward. You've got competition. It's not a new word to anybody, but it's one that tonight I want to spend a few minutes thinking about. Competition usually involves two forces, two people, two forces who are, again, wanting the same thing. They are desiring the same thing. Again, you can find this in sports and in our scripture reading tonight. Paul talks about athletics and competing according to the rules and being crowned. And, and we're aware of, of athletic events and sporting events and competition in sports. But that's not the only realm where we find competition. When I was in junior high and high school, my dad managed a jewelry store in a little town in, in, uh, in Missouri. And uh, that little town, the little town of Mexico, had the old town square. And my dad's store sat on one corner of the square. And on the other corner was another jewelry store. And uh, my dad was always paying attention to what, what was going on over there. The, the one who ran that store, her name was Melody. Uh, Melody was a nice enough person. And my dad was going to be friendly to whoever it was. And he was certainly friendly to Melody. But he understood that Melody was the competition. Melody is the competition. And so what sale is she running? What merchandise does she have? What are my prices compared to her prices? And you're always paying attention to the competition and what the competition is doing. Out here in the oil patch, competition exists, right? You've got these guys, uh, big companies, they're all competing. They're all after the same prize. They're all wanting the same things. Then you've got the small guys who are all competing with one another. And, uh, and we understand competition in all of these different areas and realms. Well, obviously tonight we didn't come here to talk sports and we really didn't come here to talk business. We came here to talk about competition when it comes to the soul. Competition of the soul. And tonight I've come to do something really pretty simple. I want us to think about who is my competition. Whom am I fighting against? Paul says in athletics, you have competition. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn over there, you can be reminded of these words from the Apostle Paul. I think the Apostle Paul was somewhat of a sports fan, or at least he was very familiar with sports, and uh, he knew that other people would be able to understand his illustrations. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24, Paul says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Other translations have themselves under control, self-control. They are temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Paul says, therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I have 
preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. The Apostle Paul knew something about competition. He knew something about fighting. He knew something about running in a race. And he said, there's competition there and you're all competing. But he says, out here in the world, we're competing for that which is going to perish. I don't know if you know this, but there, there's some big football game tonight. Some big football game going on and, and they're competing for a prize. These are men out there on a football field and they're competing for a prize. I have not been so interested in the Super Bowl since the 90s as a Cowboys fan. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. But you know, my mind, I'm a big football fan, but I have trouble remembering who won last year and the year before that and the year before that. I'll be interested and if I get home and it's still on, I'll catch the end of it. But this is a perishable crown, right? It's going to perish. Someday it will not matter. I'm not competing for that which is going to perish. I'm competing for the imperishable crown. And to do that, I need to be reminded who is my competition? Who is my competition? Tonight, I'm just going to say it pretty plainly. One is our competition. As Christians, there's only one who is our real competition. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil seeks about like a roaring lion whom he may devour. He is seeking those whom he may devour. The word adversary that Peter uses in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8 carries with it the idea of an opponent. One is your opponent. You have an adversary. He is the devil. That's your opponent. As a Christian tonight, I want to remind us that that is the competition. That is alone the competition, the devil. That's all that we have. He's the only one who is truly our opponent. Who is the opponent? Who is the adversary? Well, Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse number 44 that he is a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies. In fact, Jesus says he has lied from the beginning. Well, from the beginning, that takes me back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, you've got the, the serpent who is more cunning than any, serp, than any uh, beast of the field, the Bible says. And if you recall, in Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 13, Eve is speaking to God and Eve says, He deceived me. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He is our opponent. He stands in direct opposition to us. And all he seeks is to bring us down. All he seeks is for us to spend eternity in the place that has been designed, built for him and for his angels. Matthew 25 and verse number 41. Tonight, my friend, I'm telling you, I have no desire to spend eternity with the opponent. I have no desire to spend eternity with the competition. I want to stand against him with every fiber of my being. And so when Paul says it is wise for Christians to put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, that we might be armed against the wiles or the schemes of the devil, that sounds to be a good idea. I don't want to go to where he is. I do not want to spend eternity where he will spend eternity. He knows he will spend eternity there, and I don't want to go with him. I've got to know who my competition is. I've got to stand against him. I don't want to be led down that road. 
young people. That is why, old people, that is why it is so important that we pray the prayer of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to spend eternity with him. I don't want to go where he will be for all time. I suppose tonight that we could look at several more verses and we could be reminded of more attributes of our opponent, of our adversary, of the competition that we find ourselves against. And I suppose that we could go and look at several more things, but I suppose this tonight will, will suffice in our being reminded of the competition and who it is that we stand against. This is the competition between light and darkness. This is the competition between the devil and those who are going to stand with God. We could look at a lot more verses along those lines. But I want to do something else before I'm done tonight. I think about the Valley of Elah in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know, last quarter we looked at some pictures and showed some, some things, talked about some things from, uh, from our trip over to Israel. And I didn't get around to showing pictures of the Valley of Elah. But we were able to go there and we were able to look at that valley. And I'm not going to show any pictures tonight, but you have a picture in your mind of what that would have looked like in 1 Samuel chapter 17. A picture in your mind of where David was and, and the fact that he came into the camp of the Israelites and he was able to, to go to the side of the Israelites, and he wasn't confused about which side was Israel and which side was the Philistines. It seems he didn't have any confusion as to where his brothers were going to be found. He knew exactly where they were. And so he went over to Israel, and this, this big giant, Goliath, comes out into that valley, and, and he stands and he defies the army of God. You know, there was... There was no confusion about who Goliath was fighting for. There was absolutely no confusion. You know who Goliath is? He's a Philistine. He is not one of us. And what I'm saying tonight is you can think about these battles that were drawn and you've got one side on this side, the Israelites on this side, and you've got the Philistines on this side, and there was no confusion about which side you were on. That game tonight. You can have the Kansas City Chiefs on one sideline, and you can have the San Francisco 49ers on the other sideline. And when players from those teams come out onto the field, there will be no confusion about which team they're playing for. Yeah, their helmets don't match. Their jerseys won't match. And there'll be absolutely no confusion on anybody's part as to which side they're on. They're not going to play for the other team. They're trying to win. I say all that to say, if I know who my competition is, I want the world to know which side I'm on. I don't want it to get blurred. I don't want anybody to be confused about which side I'm on. I do not want to be confused for playing for the opponent. I want to stand with God. I want to stand with him on his side. And I want to be opposed to everything that is on the other side. I do not want people to look at me and be confused about which side I'm on. It's, uh, it's something I need to be mindful of. 
is something I need to be aware of. That I'm not using the language that the other side uses. That the devil would want me to use. That I am not dressing myself or presenting myself in such a way that people might be confused if I'm on the opponent's side and following the opponent or if I'm following God. I don't want that line to get blurred. I want people to know I'm a Christian. I stand with the Lord. I want nothing to do with the opponent. I don't want to be on the opponent's side. That's something to think about. Competition. Whom am I fighting for? So we know who the competition is. Can I just take another moment tonight and ask the question, who is not my competition? Who is not my competition? And what I've come to say tonight is, the devil is my opponent. My fellow man is not my opponent. Now I want you to stay with me. Don't lose what I'm, what I'm trying to convey tonight, what I'm trying to remind us. I saw a quote just a couple days ago that said, if I look at people as my enemy, I'll never make them my friend. If I look at others as my enemy, I'll never make them my friend. The devil is my opponent. As a Christian, the devil is your opponent. Are there people who are fighting on the part of the opponent? Yes. But are they my enemy? I want them to be my friend. I want them to come over on the Lord's side. I need to be very clear about who my opponent is and who is not my opponent. Now, turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2 and just be reminded about who we're talking about. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 11, the familiar words of the Apostle Paul, I think, help us in this study. In Ephesians 2 and verse number 11, Paul says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So these are people who clearly were outside of Christ. These are people who clearly were on the side of the devil. But now they have been brought over to the side of Christ. That doesn't happen if Christians aren't willing to go and help them get over to where the saved are found. If we don't go into all the world and preach the gospel, if I look at everybody out there, my fellow man out there, and say, you are my enemy, I want nothing to do with you, then who are we ever going to reach? The devil is my opponent. My fellow men are not my enemy. They're not my opponent. I'm not competing with other people. I'm trying to win the souls of other people. I need to be very careful about how I look into the face of other people. I need to be very clear about who my competition is and who it is not. In verse number 14, Paul goes on to say, For he himself is our peace who has made both one 
and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in, the, in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit to God the Father." You see, we, we were standing on opposite sides, but now we are, made, we are at peace with God because of what Jesus has done. I need to make sure I know who my competition is. You know, I like the way James put it in James 2 and verse 5. Has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? You know what James in that context is talking about? He's, he's talking about those who are looking down on others because they don't have the same amount of wealth or they don't look the same as, as I do or they don't have the same that I have. They, their bank account isn't the same as mine. Their skin color may not be the same as mine. Their language may not be the same as mine. And I'm looking down on them and I'm showing partiality with the gospel. And James says, God forbid. They're not my enemy. They're not my opponent, rather. They're not my competition. I'm, I'm fighting against the devil for the souls of men. I want to stand on the Lord's side. The devil is my opponent. I just want more people to be saved. I know that's true of you, too. My fellow man is not, is not my competition. The devil is. I want to help my fellow man to be right with God no matter who they are. We're, we're fighting for souls, and we need to be clear about that. Our fellow man's not our competition. You know, our brethren are not the competition. Our brethren, we are brethren in the, in the church, and the, those in the church are not at competing with one another. You say, well, that should go without saying, and you are right. That should go without saying that we are not in competition. I am not competing against other congregations in this town for who can be the biggest or who can accomplish the most or who can do this or who can do that. The church, we are not competing against one another. What size is your congregation? Well, I don't know what size is yours. Preachers get that question a lot. What size is the congregation there? What size? What size? And almost is like, well, I'm better than you because it's bigger than yours. Don't care. It's not a competition. Mike and I, I'm so happy we are not competitors. I'm so happy that we're not competitors because I'd lose. And I understand that. But we're not competing. We want the same things. Brother Lynn, Brother Terry, they are not competitors. They are not competing. They're co-workers. They work together as they lead this congregation. They're not competitors. It should go without saying. But, you know, sometimes in congregations, these rifts come up. And sometimes a congregation can begin to, to have these little cliques here or there. And competition somehow can ensue. And, and it ought not to be. And you know it ought not to be. But if we're not careful, it can be. Even within age groups, different classes. You got your little gatherings over here. And you got my little gatherings over here. And somehow we begin competing against one another as if we are opponents. We are not opponents. One is our opponent. Now, brethren are not our opponents. You know, there, there are areas of judgment that we need to be very, very clear about. 
you know, you can choose to educate your children in different ways, and, and we cannot be com competitors. We're not opponents. You, you can make decisions in different realms uh, of how you're going to raise your children, and, and, and you have every right to do that. And we're trying to do the same things, right? We all want the same things, to bring up our children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And because I make a choice that you don't make, that does not make us opponents. We are not competing. Be very careful about that. That I don't look at my brethren as an opponent. We are not competing. We are not opponents. We have one opponent. And the, the more that we stand united together against that opponent, the more successful we will be against him. We need to be very careful about that. Our decisions on education, child rearing, bedtime routines, food choices, uh, it gets silly. We're not competing. We are not opponents. My job versus your job. My talent versus your talent. My importance to God versus your importance to God. The number of people I baptize versus the number of people you baptize. This is not a competition. It's just not. We need to be very careful about that. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And I'll say this and I'll move on. In Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, I hope this will help us. In Romans chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. I want to go to heaven with you. I want us to be together forever. You're not my opponent. We are not competing my brethren are not my opponent. We are standing, we want to stand united on truth. We want to stand united in sound doctrine. We want to stand united in Christ. And we want to go to heaven together. It's really not that hard. You're not my opponent. We are not competing. The world, the people in the world, they're not my competition. The devil is. My brethren are not my competition. The devil is. You know, my family are not my competition. <clears throat> your family are not your competition. They're not your opponent. Now, I can read in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says that in certain families there's going to be a division. He says, in fact, I came to, to cause division. In a certain way, I came to cause division. And what he's saying is, you're going to have to choose who you're going to follow. You're going to have to choose. And if you choose to follow your family over me, then that's going to be a problem. And he says, you might have enemies within your own household. You might have an enemy within your own family. But we have one opponent. And that's the devil. And I hope I would never stop loving my family and wanting them to be right with the Lord. That doesn't mean that I follow my family first. That doesn't mean that I put them over anything. That means I follow Jesus and I love my family, and I want to try to help them to be saved. But your family are not your enemy. They're not your opponent. They're not the competition. As parents, we're trying to bring up our children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so, young people, I would just remind you, your parents are not your enemy. Your parents are not the opponent. Your parents are not the competition. My parents would say to me so many times, Adam, I am not against you. I am not against you. I'm not letting you do what you want to do, but I am doing so because I am not against you. 
I'm very much for you. How many times I've, I wanted to fight against that, but now understand it so very, very clearly. Godly parents are trying to help us to be right with, with God, to bring up our children in the training and admonition of the Lord. Your parents are not your opponent. Your parents are not your opponent. They're not your competition. Your siblings are not your competition. Your siblings are not your competition. Now, that's not to say that you can't go out in the backyard and have a game of pickup ball and, and try to beat them, right? That doesn't mean that you can't have fun <clears throat> in this perishable way. These things are going to perish. But, but understand, your siblings, they're, they're not your competition. I, I suppose that Cain forgot that when he rose up and killed his brother Abel. You know, I go back to Genesis chapter 4. Will you just go back and humor me for just a moment? I'm just about done. In Genesis chapter 4, in verse number 3, the Bible says that in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And recall that the God comes to Cain and he says, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Can I ask you, why? What's the competition there? And really, it was never between Cain and Abel. It was between Cain and God, and Abel and God. And Cain didn't like his brother, and he killed him. But I'm reminding us tonight that, that Abel was never in competition with Cain. Abel, it doesn't say, was, was doing this to get at his brother. Right? There's not competition between the brothers. This was between them and God on a personal level. And Cain let Abel get in the middle of that to his shame. I'm going to be very careful about who my competition is. My siblings are not your competition. Be very careful about that. Now here's one. You say, well, what? really? I mean, this is my spouse. And you're going to have to really remind me that my spouse is not my competition? That I'm not in this life competing against my spouse? I mean, we should understand that. Yeah, we should. But sometimes we need to be reminded. My spouse, my wife, is not my competition. I've told you before, and I believe it with all my heart. And when I get to heaven one day, I'll look over and I'll, I'll see Julie. And I'll say thank you. Because I, I don't know that I'll get there without her. My wife is not my competition. I don't want to stand in opposition to her. She's helping me in life. I, I think sometimes we, we enter marriage and we think, well, you know, I've got this relationship now and and now, you know, we, we've got this, this stuff together. And so, well, if I cave here, then, then maybe she'll cave there. And, and we've got this idea, well, I've got a cave and, and she's got a cave. And it's got to be my way so she can have her way. And, and you know, it's, we make it into a competition if we're not careful. I love the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. Husbands, 
Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Julie and I, we're heirs together of the grace of life. We go to heaven together. We're living to go to heaven together. I don't want to compete against her. I'll lose there too. But I don't want to compete against her. I have one opponent, and it's the devil. I want to stand in direct opposition to everything that he is. I don't want to allow anybody else in my life to take his place as my competition. I've told you tonight, I suppose there is such a thing as friendly competition, and we can play games, and we want to win, and you know, I like winning as much as anybody else. It, it seems to matter less and less to me the older I get. But I like to have fun, and I like to play games, and, and you know, there's, a, there's a competitive spirit in there. But I, I try to remind myself that one day this is all just going to burn. I have one opponent, and I want to stand against him with every fiber of my being. Friend, I choose, I, I choose not to go to be where the devil is. I want to stand with the Lord. He is the one who died for me to deliver me from Satan. He is the one who has come and defeated the work of the devil, 1 John 3 and verse number 8. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, 1 John 4 and verse number 4. So I want to stand with the devil. I stand with God, rather, and stand against the devil. He alone is the opponent. He alone is my competition. I hope tonight maybe this will help you in some, some way. Maybe we can think about this in a way that, that honors God, in a way that reminds us who God is and what God has done for us, in a way that reminds us of Jesus and what he has done to deliver us from the power of the devil in a way that reminds us of who the enemy really is, of who the opponent really is out there. And I'm not suggesting tonight that there aren't those who stand against us. Certainly there are. But my opponent is the devil, and so I will do whatever I can to win those souls to the Lord. Tonight, where do you find yourself? If people were to look at, at your life and and to say, which side are you on? You know, which side of that valley do you find yourself? Are you on God's side or are you over here on the enemy's side? And tonight people are looking at your life as a Christian. I'm asking Christians tonight, does the world know where you are? Do they know where you stand? Do they know to whom you belong? I want to be very clear about that. And if there's sin in your life that you need to repent of in a public way to make it clear, then won't you do that tonight? But tonight, maybe you find yourself in a lost condition and you're ready tonight to put away the devil and to put on Christ. Tonight, we stand ready to help you to do just that. Do you believe tonight that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to make that confession, to repent of sin in your life and to be immersed in baptism, to have your sins forgiven, washed away? Then tonight, you can be saved. If we can help you in any way, please come now. While together we stand and while we sing.